Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. This is episode 218. This week, we have resolution on the OG insurance commissioner. More than 10,000 voter registrations challenged in one Georgia county. The traffic stop heard round the world. Jessica gives us some news on Josh Clark and Dave's bummer on chill gummies. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is writer, journalist, owner of the GeorgiaVirtue.com, dog mom, Jessica Salaji. You almost forgot the most important part. The dog mom? Yeah. I could never forget that. I know. They're hard to forget. How's your week been? You are a servant to Stanley, of course. Um, yes. And his press agent, my mom was down here for Mother's Day last weekend and she just, she's like, wow, he's such a hammer. He really is spoiled. I'm like, um, you literally did this. Like you served him mashed potatoes and pie and let him on the couch and let him on the bed. This dog did not know how to do any of those things. (laughs) This dog was living in a ditch. Yes, and he was just thankful to have a beautiful, comfortable bed and a Snoopy blanket. And then Grandma rolls up and is like, oh, Stanley, come on the bed. And now he doesn't do anything but lay on the bed and lay on the couch. And I have to box him into my office if I want him to spend time with me. (laughs) It's ridiculous. He has become the king. Dogs own us. Things appear good. Uh, you know, it's it was a, a not an outrageous week weather weather wise. A beautiful week up here, absolutely gorgeous. If it weren't for the the allergens in the air, it'd be perfect to have to have your windows open and you kind of cruise around and and all that stuff. But as the show drops, this week is supposed to be uh, a little more exciting for me, closer to the nineties. That's exciting. It is. My my business is reactionary. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I need I need stuff to break. Oh Lord! Well, I pro- I profit off the suffering of others. I know. Yeah, it was beautiful down here too. I mean, it was breezy and a little bit cool in the evenings. I'm kind of concerned because we don't usually get weather like that at all. So I feel like it's like. Why are we getting this extended niceness? Are we headed for hell? <laughs> it just doesn't matter. No matter how, how dark it gets, Jessica, keep pulling down the shade. <laughs> Man, you've been around government too long. <laughs> just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Or is it twenty twenty or is it just twenty twenty two? I mean, after, after the last two years, like, nothing good can happen. You're just waiting for something bad to happen. Correct. Well, like, even even uh, after they re- removed the mask mandate on airplanes, when I, when I flew to Florida, I still carried the mask with me because I was afraid mid-flight the, the announcement would come over that they're going to mandate it again. We have to go dig in our bags, pull one out. So, speaking of going from bad to worse, Georgia state ethics officials have agreed to drop their campaign finance case against former state insurance commissioner John Oxendine. This what? was what, 12 years in the making? Oh, his his stuff goes back further than that. Oxendine's been a been a problem for a long time. But yeah, this particular one, yeah, what 12 years, more than a decade that he's been holding on to what 128,000 in campaign cash. Yeah. Well, I mean, he spent the better part of it. Um, I think it started at, what, $500,000 because he bought a house. He bought, he leased something. Um, I mean, this was, gosh, I mean, we talked about it on the show, but it was from his gubernatorial race. Well, I guess... 08 was the insurance race, and then in 2010, and I misspoke, in October 2015, he showed 700000 left over and $237,000 in loans, and he used part of those loans to make a $96,000 
down payment on a house. He leased a Mercedes and a Jaguar, made retirement account contributions and athletic club dues payments. This is the same guy that had his blue or red light taken from him while insurance commissioner in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. Because he was using it to blow through red lights to get to Dunkin' Donuts or something. Or Krispy Kreme. I mean, the look that 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 hot donuts now light is going to go off any minute. He better he better uh, scoot through this red light so we can get to it. Um, uh, yeah, he's he's been problematic for two decades. Better than, but so after out of three quarters of a million that was left over, he's going to hand over one hundred twenty eight thousand and admit no wrongdoing. I guess I don't know all the board members or from the commission, from the ethics commission. Um, but I guess there was a four to one vote. Only one person voted against allowing this because in doing it, in admitting that there's no wrong or in not admitting any wrongdoing, he is the, the commission can't even call this a penalty. He's just forfeiting the money. It's not like it's going back to the donors. It's just going away. It's going to the state. Right. I mean, look, if, if somebody in 2008 gave money to Oxendine, you knew damn well who you were giving money to. I mean, you you knew. Same thing in 2012, whatever it was for his gubernatorial run. You knew who he was when, when you sent him money. So if, if, if you lost it and he lost, that's your own fault. But you know, it's you're right. It's it's not it's not a fine, and he's legally viable to run again. Right now, I don't think he's electable, but he's legally viable to run again uh, after getting getting away with putting a down payment on a house, paying his uh, athletic club dues after leasing. What would you say it's a Mercedes? And I'm sure it was not an A class. Well, and then he, you know, he already was in busted for accepting contributions way beyond the legal limit. I mean, he, no one's ever held him accountable for it, but there's been a ton of administrative and civil rulings that were not in his favor. My thing, I think the part that really irritated me, though, was the attorney for the commission which um, I don't know. Oh, his name is Robert Lane. He said that they could have continued the pursuit, but Oxendine could have spent the remaining campaign contribution or the donations in the accounts on litigation, leaving nothing for the state to recover. That could have left the state in a difficult situation to try to pursue Oxendine's other assets in Florida, where Commission Executive Director David Amati said Oxendine now lives. Um, well, first of all, I think this is a fantastic example of why you should act with the utmost expediency on these things. But second, why is it only about the state recovering things? Like, send a message that this is not okay. Well, yeah, again, so long after the fact, it is really, I mean, these effects, this is, this doesn't send a, a, a message to anybody, even if they do call it a fine. It's so long after the fact, after he's left office and left the state, that it's there's 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 nothing to it. I, now there's a quote here. I do feel somewhat frustrated that there is no admission of wrongdoing, and we're not even calling this a penalty. That's Commissioner Rick Thompson, who was previously the executive director director of the ethics agency. I'm assuming he's the no vote. The I didn't maybe I misread it, but the article didn't come out and say as much. But since he's the only one with any type of, you know, dissent. Yeah, I'm assuming that that's um, what makes what makes the ethics commission so slow. I mean, I don't know because it seems like it it either is or isn't. You know, it, it could be the the lawyer you can you can afford. I don't know. But they are so, so, so slow with stuff. It, uh, best case scenario takes years. 
It's not like they're investigating. It's right there in front of you. And, and the ethics complaints are usually made by individuals. Said, hey, 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 look at this. It's not like they have some, you know, police force out there or a bunch of accountants digging through campaign disclosures. No, it's, it's, it's people like you and me. That, that 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 find it and go, uh, we send this up and they stick it in a drawer. It seems to, you know, sit around for years. And it's frustrating to people who do the right thing and report it because you feel like nothing's being done. Right. I mean, it, and it emboldens them because they know that, well, the statute of limitations will run out and on the criminal side and I'll, you know, I get to spend the money. So what's the big deal? Right. So, awesome. Speaking of everyday people, a Georgia man is challenging the eligibility of more than 13,000 registered voters in his county. The largest challenge since the state overhauled election law. And by the time the show drops, this will be on, um, I think there will have been a hearing on it, but I'm not sure what that means or how quickly they'll render a decision but it's in Forsyth County and this gentleman named Frank Schneider um, emailed the his claims to the director of the county's voter registration and elections department and I guess he compared the voter rolls with the USPS national change of address database and found that 13,609 people have an address that's different than the one listed on their voter registration and it's the single largest challenge since, you know, they changed, like you said, changed the law, which at that time they clarify that there's no limit in the number of electors that one person can challenge. My question is, why isn't the secretary of state doing this already? Right. And when I was talking about investigators, the secretary of state has investigators. I've spoken uh, with one before, on a, not involving me, on a, on a contractor who who wasn't paying his bills to me, and they actually have a law enforcement branch within Secretary of State. They actually have a staff within Secretary of State. They actually have a budget within Secretary of State to handle stuff like this. Not just that, why is the county elections office not do, looking this stuff up? Obviously, this was not a huge thing for him to do. One guy, one guy. I'm Since, assuming he did some sort of like overlapping database thing where, you know, it tells you when there's a duplicate entry and they're not the same, right? Like, I'm sure there's some sort of, because they're usually Excel sheets. So. One motivated person challenged more than 13,000 registrations because the USPS did not match the voter rolls. If this is what one guy could do, can one person in every county do this? I don't know. And look, I, and even, I mean, even if half, even if half, and this is, I think, Forsyth County, right? Mm-hmm. Even if half are, are invalidated, that's a huge number. And how many people live in Forsyth? Hundreds of thousands. 200,000 to 250, probably. I mean, it's not Fulton. You know, you know, coming is, is pretty densely populated. And so is Northern Alpharetta that comes into, comes into Forsyth. But a lot of Forsyth is, you know, lake property and getting out towards Hall County and Gainesville and Dawson counties and all that. So there's a lot of open area in, in, in Forsyth County. So I, you know, I don't think it's a, you know, it's not like Fulton. So we're probably talking 200,000 people. And of 200,000, he's challenging 13,000 of them. That's big. Statistically, that's a big number when you start talking about elections being swung by, you know, 1%. Well, and, you know, they may easily still reside in Forsyth, but they might be at a different precinct. Like, there, I mean, there's just a lot of reasons. But there's to me, there's no excuse for not having that information matched accurately. Right. Especially with motor voter. Right. When you move, you're supposed to change. If you went through the steps to change your address for the post office, but did not change your driver's license. 
Now, some of this is going to be well, I didn't. people. I did that. I didn't change my driver's license, but I did update my voter registration. Yeah, it, but the, some of this is going to be people with second homes. Some of this is going to be people who are uh, divorced and haven't officially, you know, they still get a lot of bills at the house that they're paying for that the you know, soon to be ex is living in. So there, there's a lot of, and it doesn't mean that this, this 13,600 were going to vote. They could have moved out of state and just haven't, haven't done the paperwork yet. Uh, and it could be that they've already got a driver's license and registered to vote in another state. And, you know, for whatever reason, Georgia hasn't updated its roles. And that's quite possible. So it, it doesn't necessarily mean that these 13,000 moved within Georgia. But still, well, like I said, even if half of it is 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 legitimate, you, that's big. Do you think you should be allowed to like if you show up and your license doesn't match your voter registration, do you think you should be allowed to vote? I don't even know if they look at it. If your license is your official residence, that's where you need to vote. For instance, if uh, if if you're in the military, you don't have to change your license because your uh, your state of residence is still where you left. So, when I was stationed in North Carolina at Fort Bragg, uh, I still had a Georgia license and I still voted absentee in Georgia in Fayette County, which is where my home of record was. But did I get mail up there? Of course I did. So I I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's an interesting question. What, is, what does the law say about it? Do they have to match? Well, obviously not, because, I mean, I lived at my address. I didn't want to get a new driver's license photo because I liked the one I had. So I kept my driver's license for many. Jesus Christ, Jessica. That is the most <laughs> vain reason I've it's ever heard. It's a really, really good picture. And the best part about it is I got it renewed during COVID. So they let me keep it for another five years. Um, <laughs> but it finally has the right address. It's like, it is an amazing picture. Like I would post it on Facebook just so that I could prove it to our listeners. It is, my hair looks so good. There was no humidity in the air that day. Um, I was tan because I had just, it was summer, like life was so good. But, um, and I was actually the weight on my license, which was even better. But it has it did not match my voter registration or my precinct for at least three years. And they always I always vote. So oh Lord have mercy. Because the picture looked so good. Mm-hmm. So good. Correct. Well then you just have to wait for a low humidity, nice June no. day. No, you just can't replicate you can't just, it. You can't just like replicate those things, you know? <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. You're a mess. It's hard. But that, if, hey, look, hey, good for this guy. But what this does more to me is show that it can be done. And, you know, if one citizen can do it, if one interested person can do it in a county that size, why couldn't three people on an elections board do it? Why couldn't each precinct assign one person and take, I don't know, one day to go through and see? What's so hard about that? Because they work for the government and they don't really want to work? This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone, not on the show or any respective company for which we may work own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. All right, Jess, we have the traffic stop heard round the world. Deputies searched the bus of a Delaware lacrosse team. Yep. If you haven't heard about this now, by now, which as the show drops, it would be the... 16th. If you haven't heard about this now, please contact us because I would love to know where you stick your head so that you don't have to hear news like this. But um, this story came out, I guess, on in a school newspaper on Friday, 
May 6th. It actually happened on April 20th. So we're talking like almost three weeks before. Um, And then, and of course, we're going to get into it, but it happened on Friday, May 6th on the newspaper. Then the school president put out a statement on the following Monday. And then because he did that, all the mainstream media picked up on it and literally shot her around the world. Um, All right. So let's not glaze over the fact that the stop happened on 420. Yes. Okay. So a a historically black college uh, female lacrosse team, women's lacrosse team, was on the way back from Florida going through Liberty County. The bus was traveling in the left-hand lane. On I-95. On 95, which is a no-no unless you are, I guess, moving into the HOV lane, uh, uh, actively passing, I think, or uh, there's something obstructing the the lanes you're supposed to be in. Right. So, so it is a traffic offense. It is a legitimate stop. So they they pull the bus over, and out comes the dog, and the dog quote-unquote, hits on the bus. The officers uh, step onto the bus, explain what's happening, and then give the typical talk of the dog has indicated that something is illegal. If you have anything in your luggage, you need to tell me now. Which, you know, we have seen a thousand times on a thousand different uh, uh, cameras. Hell, you watch cops and see it that that same talk. If you have anything, tell me now. So, what happens is the they don't find anything. But we get uh, uh, video of them opening up, and this is a typical like over the road bus. It's not a school bus. Where they've got, you know, it's a lacrosse team. So they've got gear bags, uh, you know, uh, and it's girls. So they get toiletry bags and everything else that's under the bus and, and their personal belongings. And they're going through this stuff. So this is all on on uh, personal on 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 the chest cams that that the deputies in this case wear. So much so that there was a package, a birthday present. That was wrapped. I said, whose is this? And the girl raises her hand. He goes, what's in here? She goes, I don't know. It's a present. I haven't opened it yet. And they take it and put it on the hood of the car and open her birthday present. Cut it open. And they find a book. A book. Still wrapped in cellophane, brand new book. Don't you feel a little dumb at that point if you're the officer, if you're the deputy? Um, yes, but I think regardless of how you feel about the stop, I think what we often see, not just in law enforcement, but government and just human behavior is a lot of times when people feel dumb or they don't find what they need or desire, they double down. Yeah, like being caught in a lie. Yeah. Admit nothing, deny everything, make counter accusations. So they find a book. At that point, you just, you have to feel like a heel. And I get it. If, if you really were trafficking uh, drugs and you put them in Christmas presents or birthday presents, uh, you can't say, well, the dog hit on this or, you know, this, this, you know, stinks or, you know, we have reason to believe there's something in here. You know, of course, open it. But the the dog <clears throat> hitting, I have a real problem with, and we'll get to it later in the story. But uh, using that as, as the only probable cause to search, uh, man, I have a big problem with it. But what do we hear from the sheriff? He lied. Yeah. He lied. He said that none of their personal items were searched. He said, yeah, nobody on the bus and no personal items were searched. And we see presents coming out. We see 
uh, toiletry bags being opened and legitimate medication uh, being looked at. And again, all this is on video. I don't, I don't understand either, either. Yeah. He's the, and he's the worst sheriff in the world or he's lying or both. Well, I'm not sure why he wouldn't look up the video before he, you know, like, I don't, I don't, why wouldn't you watch it? And then also in this day and age, like everything is recorded. The students took pictures and have videos and stuff and, um, you know, and and for what it's worth, the sheriff is black. So, and I feel like that has gotten lost in this. Like, I just don't feel like he's out there encouraging his deputies to profile people of color. I, I just can't get on board with that. I think that's an asinine. Um, and, and I will say, I know other agencies that patrol I-95. I travel I-95. Um, I don't love the practice, but... They do do personal vehicle interdiction details, and they do do commercial interdiction details. Like, it's not – it's something that happens all the time. So, like, I don't think they saw a bus full of black students and were like, let's let's roll. Well, and he actually – part of it, he made a good point on tinted windows and – the height of a of an over the road bus, if you can think of a Greyhound or a private charter, they weren't riding Greyhound, but a private charter bus, and and the average height of a a police car, there's no way you could see in there to see that to make this for reason for the stop. But interdiction, by its nature, looks for the tiniest traffic offenses as a reason to get somebody on the side of the road. Uh, one of the quotes from the body ca- uh, body footage is, <clears throat> this is our job. This is what we do, okay? Everybody, we, uh, we get out here, we stop commercial vehicles, okay? Believe it or not, a majority of the drugs and a large amounts of money, trafficking children, trafficking anything up and down these interstates, that's what we do, okay? Huh. Yeah, the the statements the deputies made were not no good. No bueno, huh? I don't think so. <sighs> they were mansplaining, first of all. If we find something, your chaperones are going to be disappointed. Well, yeah, no kidding. At this point, he knows he's dealing with schoolgirls. And look, even in the in the body cam footage that we find, that we're like we're, we're talking about schoolgirls. That's the term he used. Obviously, these are NCAA women, but he used the term schoolgirls. Mm. I don't know about chaperones. Do, do college teams have chaperones? Do they have coaches and they have assistants? And and I don't know that a I don't know. I mean, that college women's team has chaperones. That doesn't that doesn't bother me. I mean, that stuff. If, if people were offended by that, I think like I hear what you're saying, and I'm not trying to. I wouldn't discredit if somebody, but I. If that's what people are harping on, I feel like that's the wrong issue. Um, no, it, but it was it was talking down to a, to a certain yeah. degree. And look, I, I, I don't. I'm not saying it's it's because they're women. I'm not saying it's because they're black. I'm just saying sure. that 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 they were trying to get very kindergarten in a way to. And, and I've seen it on body cam footage all over the place. We 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 covered a story where a girl was stopped and they found so little residue that they had to end up cutting her loose after arresting her and strip searching her and everything else. I can't remember. I think it was in Tennessee or something like that. Uh, it's an interdiction unit. This is what we do. And the dog indicated and they, and they found like the residue of, you know, one flake of one seed and it wasn't even enough to, to test and they had to cut her loose. Uh, but th- this happens with interdiction all the time, where they go, this is what we do. This is our job. Well, your job sucks. And how many, how many trafficked, uh, how many sex trafficked women are going in charter buses? I don't know, and probably not that many, but that would be one hell of a cover if they did. <laughs> I mean, it's smart. Yeah. Like, if, if it, well, I mean, I'm again, like, I'm not suggesting that. I have never heard of it. I've never seen a news headline where that has been the case, but um, 
Maybe that's because they don't stop them and they're getting away with it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, I, you know. I've heard of I've heard of catching rides with over the road truckers and things like that. I've never heard like a right. Uh, right. getting a getting a charter bus and putting like you know you putting know in a sweatsuit and saying let's roll. Yeah, like Loving Waters Church on the side of it, and if police get too cl- close, you start singing hymns. They go, "Oh, okay, they must they must be okay." <laughs> right? No, I hear you. Um, <laughs> but look, the, the they f- this is not a this was not a quick stop with the hey, listen, you can't be in the left hand lane. I know you're not from Georgia, but this is a law here. Either here's your ticket or here's your warning. Uh, have a nice day. This goes this goes on. And the the less they find, to, to your point, the harder they're looking. What do you think about the statement that in the sheriff when he said, you know, because it, it was part of the interdiction detail, that there were several other commercial vehicles stopped that morning, which usually includes 18-wheelers. Um, but he said another bus was searched that morning and contraband was located. And? Well... No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying, okay. At some point, there's a there's somebody driving. I drive a, a black Dodge Ram. Uh, there's somebody in a black Dodge Ram that has contraband in their vehicle. Doesn't mean I do. That's 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 a, uh, an idiotic statement for him to say. Though we find we our introduction our interdiction units do find stuff. Well, yeah. If you illegally search everybody going up up and down I-95, you're going to find some stuff. Mm-hmm. You're also going to violate a bunch of people's rights. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he did a lot of education in, or I guess what he believed to be education in his statement. You know, listing out the code sections, explaining that canine sniffs of an exterior of a vehicle is not considered a search. Um and it does provide cause to search when a dog alerts. And, um, you know, he talked a lot about a lot about things. I, I'm sure that most people, if, if they've never had a vehicle searched or aren't political nerds, they probably don't know. But then you you lose, even though those things are true and based on court precedent and the law, you lose a lot of credibility when you lie because he lays out all these things. And that's when he said no personal items were searched. And um, and that's exactly what I was going to say is he made a well thought out, perfect law enforcement response to it. Uh, this is this is what the law says. This is what uh, this is what we did. Uh, this is what we find. And, you know, we. Over the course of, of interdiction that day, again, just happened to be 420. So I, I don't think that that's that's a coincidence. So he makes this very intelligent, well thought out, well written response. And then he just throws it in the crapper and stands up there in front of, you know, God and the entire country and lies. And to yeah. me, this this is not a black-white thing. This is not a male-female thing. This is a state versus the citizenry issue but, here. But then he said stupid stuff like, like he said we didn't know they were black. We, they, we didn't know they were race because of the wi- height of the windows. But he's like, we also didn't know it was a historically black. They were okay. I'll just quote it since I'm having such a hard time. The deputy was not aware that the school was historically black or aware of the race of the occupants. Well, most people wouldn't know if a school is historically black. Like they, I mean, d- did you know Delaware State was a historically black school? Like, even if it had been printed on the side of the bus, I wouldn't know that. I would just be like, oh, there's a bus from Delaware State. And I think right. that's how most people look at it. But then the sheriff goes on to say, you know... I guess in his attempt to try to quell the outrage, he says, we realize that in this current environment, even a traffic stop can be alarming to citizens, especially African-Americans. Okay. Um, I understand that. I mean, I completely understand about the search and, you know, that it probably went beyond the time frame that they're allowed and this, that and the other. 
But did they do anything? Like, did they do anything for those students or their coaches or anyone else to fear to be in fear for their lives? Not that I saw. <clears throat> and I'm not saying that, that that's the threshold. I'm just saying, like, if you're going to make statements like that, don't do it on something where. I mean, it's not like they were all standing there with their guns drawn and saying, get on the ground. I mean, uh, I don't know. We, we've we just lost any ability to talk about, you know, although I do not believe any racial profiling took place based on the information I currently have. I welcome feedback from our community on ways that our law enforcement practices can be improved. OK, well, at some I appreciate that. But at some point, like you have to just say, no, this like you said, that's your job, but your job sucks. Well, like, do we really want the public to be intervening on in how policing does? Because look at the wide spectrum that we have. And look, I, I, again, the what we didn't know is historically black college. So what? It, it does it matter if if there if it was a predominantly black team out of Morehouse or if it's predominantly black team out of Kennesaw State? It just doesn't. If if it just it just doesn't. Like, like I said, I mean. Obviously, we know Morehouse is, is a historically black school for, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, uh, it, it's more in, in the news. And two, we, we live in Georgia and we're, we're aware of the history of Morehouse College. But it, that's, that wasn't what they were doing. It's just, it, I, don't, I, I, didn't, I didn't see, I don't, I don't see that. I think they're focusing on the wrong, on the wrong stuff. And the, the reason this is making the news is because it was a, it was a, uh, historically black college. It's the only reason it's in the news. Had this happened to anybody else, it would be news locally. Uh, we would certainly talk about it, but would it be hitting, you know, CNN and Fox News? Probably not. Uh, so much so that the governor of Delaware, uh, uh. John, John Carney, has to pipe up. I have watched the video of this incident. It's upsetting, concerning, and disappointing. Mm-hmm. Moments like these should be relegated to part of our country's complicated history, but they continue to occur with sad regularity in communities across our country. It's especially hard when it impacts our own community. A jack wagon. Give me a break. I'm sorry. Like, should your bus have been searched? No. Do I support buses just being searched? No. But... Are we going to pretend like this should be relegated to the 1960s and 1860s? Really? Yeah, this is not 1960 Montgomery. This is not John Lewis getting hit in the head with a brick while peacefully protesting. That's not what this is. This is a government overstep and interdiction units need to go away. And when we look at this as a statism problem, that they were so concerned with finding, hoping they find a little bit of pot. And for and if they knew this was an NCAA team, they would know there's no there's no illegal drugs on that bus. The athletes are drug tested. Hmm. I mean, it, it, it doesn't even make sense once you figure out that it's a it's a collegiate NCAA lacrosse team, you can be fairly certain, you know, there's not a brick of cocaine on that bus. Well, you don't know what the coaches are doing. Well, that's true. The coaches, (laughs) yeah. What did Bill Cosby say about uh, natural trial birth? It's where the mother has no drugs whatsoever. The father can do as many as he wants. Oh, God. You just quoted Bill Cosby. Yeah, I did. I mean, he... Well, I'm not going to go there. Um, Speaking of drugs. Yeah. Man, the politicians, they are numerous, but not good for much. Uh, the Delaware Attorney General calls for an investigation. Uh, he uh, sent a letter to DOJ's Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights, Kristen Clark. I write regarding a troubling incident that is deserving of your attention. I'm grateful that this is already on your office's radar and your commitment to review and determine what steps are appropriate. Hmm. 
I guess it's election year up them up there for them too. I guess. Good God. Everybody's everybody's gotta get their get their face in front of the camera. Everybody's gotta get their name in it. Well, you know, I guess what annoys me is like the the school put out a statement and then the Liberty County Sheriff's office put out a statement. That should have been the end of it. But then the school put out another statement. Like he put out the president put out another comment. Then the governor did. Then the attorney general did. Like, are we just going to, and like, is the Liberty County Sheriff's Office going to say, oh, okay, so let's have another statement to respond to this. But are we just going to go on back and forth or are we going to move on? Because, you know, the president of the school said, I spoke with Sheriff William Bowman of Liberty County on Tuesday and note his acknowledgement to me and at his press event of the historic concerns of African-Americans in traffic stops with law enforcement. He even indicated an interest in reaching out to our lacrosse team for feedback to assist his department in improving its approach to people of color. I look forward to hearing from him on exactly what he would like to do to proceed in that regard. However... And it's in bold. However, his public statement and the released body camera footage raised more concern, more questions than answers. And no. then he goes on to talk about him lying. Um, yeah. And that should have been the headline. It's the lying. Now, I wonder if when they called the sheriff before he actually got, they saw his press conference and saw him on TV and talked to him and go, oh, hell, he's black. Damn it. There had to be a, a, a moment there where they go, oh, we got to lay off of him a little bit here. We got to we, we got to take our foot off the gas just a little bit. No, he's a damn liar. He shouldn't be in office. He should absolutely be uh, removed from office for lying, for lying to the public, not not lying that. Oh, I was I was at uh, my buddy's house, and it turns out he was at his mistress. So that that's between him and his wife. Uh, he's lying to the public about uh, a, a police action that he damn well knows there's video of. I mean, what do you think? He's going to pull the Jedi mind trick here and say, you know, there's nothing to see here and keep and just keep moving along. He's unfit to hold office. If his if his go to move is to lie to the people, lie to his voters, lie to the people that he's in charge of policing. But I'm sure his his deputies love it. The first thing he did was try to try to cover their butts. But he doesn't serve his department. His department serves the people. And he has evidently lost sight of it. And of course, he gave his resume in his statement of being a veteran and having served in the uh, Georgia State Patrol and all this. And I would never encourage racial profiling. I'm, I'm sure not. <laughs> right. Wait, what are you, what's he supposed to say? No, I tell him, I say, you know, if you see a bunch of black kids, go ahead and pull them over. and You know, they got weed. I mean, what's, what's he supposed to say? Of course, he's going to say that he doesn't encourage it. But he had, he, had to, he, had to th- he had to go out there and throw out his, his, uh, his resume and say, I'm a veteran, number one, pity me. Uh, uh, oh, I, I, you know, this is my law enforcement background, you know, the Georgia State Patrol, and I'm obviously qualified, and I would never encourage this. But, uh, okay, now I'm going to lie to you. After hearing that and seeing the video, I wouldn't trust him if he said the sky was blue. But watch, he'll be reelected. Well, yeah, he just actually got elected this last go around. He ousted a long time uh, white sheriff, if that matters. If we're, you know, I don't, I don't know if we're supposed to mention that or not. Um, but yeah, he just won in twenty twenty. Right, and sheriffs are usually four years. So by the time twenty twenty four rolls around. This will be long forgotten. And anybody who tries to run against and bring this up, it'll be long forgotten. But the fact is, it'll be it'll be lost in the weeds with this historically black college crap. Not he stood up and bald faced lied to the people of his of his county and the people of this country. He bald faced lied to him. 
and attempted to cover uh, the actions, the inappropriate actions of his officers, of his deputies. Now, Jessica, can dogs be a reliable cause for search? I don't know. You put this on the outline. I did. The state of Ohio thinks not. Because marijuana and hemp are both from the cannabis plant, the smell identical uh, is identical. Dogs can't tell the difference. So both the Ohio Highway Patrol and the Columbus District Police are suspending marijuana detection training for new police dogs to uncomplicate probable cause issues in court. And this has been a big question of mine since I, I first saw I'm like, I'm like, is that weed? Like, no, it's hemp. And this was in a legitimate store. It's like, really? And, and he pulls it out. And I smell it. like that smells a lot like weed. Yeah, but it's hemp. And it, it I mean, I guess if, if you're a weed person, you can tell the difference by, by, you know, good weed apparently has a lot of crystals and stuff that, you know, that you can see and all that stuff. But, but to the dogs, what they're hitting on is the ones that are trained now, the existing dogs, and uh, apparently going forward, they can be trained to detect marijuana and and not hit on on hemp. That really muddies things. If if I were to get popped for weed right now, I'd say bring the dog into court, and I'd, I would put hemp in one box and weed in the other, and watch them hit on both of them. And go now. How can you use that as as a as probable cause to search uh, search my person and search my vehicle? Okay. I mean, that's look when, when it, and this is just this is the way it is now. If 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 the dogs were hitting on coffee the same as cocaine, you'd have to throw out any probable cause from a dog that hit also hits on coffee. And I and I truly believe that handlers can, if they want to search a vehicle, there's there's the the dog is playing a game. They want their toy. They're playing a game. So I have to believe that they can, uh, you know, these handlers live with their dogs a lot of times. They they they, you know, sleep in the same bedroom. They're they're with with each other twenty three hours a day. Yeah, that's his part. And say to think that you can't get. A dog to act like there's a hit on something. I, I have to believe you can you can you can solicit that behavior. If, if there's a vehicle that you want to search, say ah the dog hit on it, and then you, then you tear the whole vehicle apart, tear it all the way down to the studs, rip seats out, and you find nothing. You go oh well, I guess the dog was wrong, and go on your merry way. Meanwhile, using a canine as a workaround for the Fourth Amendment. Hmm. I'm not saying we still use them wet and wild out here in Georgia. Of course we do, but it's going to take a savvy attorney to get some of these uh, convictions well, thrown out. That's why we'll always use them. <laughs> What's that? That's why we'll always use them. Well, well, because we had we don't have any savvy attorneys. We have one, Catherine. Yep, I guarantee you, uh, somebody who. Who gets a gets a dog hit and it's a small amount of weed and they get arrested? I mean, it'd be almost worth me rolling around with a, with a dime bag just to, <laughs> to, to get arrested so I could hire Catherine Bernard. Oh Lord! What's funny is I was talking to a, a friend of mine today about 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 this case, and uh, he said, "He goes, man, I'm usually very compliant with police officers, but he had his business on the back of back glass of his truck, and he was coming back from a trade show. He had a bunch of boxes. He's on the side of the road. He gets you know, gets pulled out of the truck. He goes, hey, I says, hey, I'd really like to uh, uh, to look through these boxes, make sure there's nothing in there, because you know we're getting a lot of people up and down this this highway. He goes, look, if you want to follow to my house and look through them? Fine. You can look at all the cups and pens you want to. But let me tell you something." My business name is back of the truck, and everybody passing me right now, if you start tearing my truck apart doing a search, I am guilty in the court of a public opinion. If you find nothing, I'm I'm the guy with my name on the back glass being searched on the side of the road. And and the deputy said, eh, you know, you're right. I understand. And let him go. But that's, 
that's it, I, I was like, man, I, I never really thought about it because you know I, I, I drive around in a lettered vehicle also. My van's lettered up and that kind of stuff. Yeah, if I'm on the side of the road getting a ticket, it's one thing. Oh, he must have been in a hurry to go help somebody with his air conditioning. It's another thing to have my van torn apart and have have three officers going going through everything, have a dog sniffing my van and go, oh man, look at look what Doctor Cool's up to. Right. So if I'm going to roll around with that dime bag just to see if I can hire Catherine Bernard, it will not be in my lettered truck. <laughs> but yeah, I, going through this case, I, I did. I, I googleized could could can dogs tell the difference? And and the first thing that came up was with was Ohio. And Ohio is usually not ahead of the curve on anything. That's true. I mean, Ohio really is the armpit of the Midwest. I mean, it's got Cleveland for God's sakes. So, Jessica, you have a closing thought? Sort of. I mean, it's it's a little bit longer, I suppose, than a closing thought. But um, a guy named Josh Clark is running for U.S. Senate. Most people don't know that because he's not really doing well. But he is running on the Republican ticket. And I guess in his attempt to – he's a former state representative. He's – David Clark's brother. He held the cl- the seat David Clark holds before David Clark did. Um, and Josh got reelected a couple, like several years ago. And uh, I think he, I can't remember if he left before his, well, he was sworn in for his next term or what, but basically the GOP appointed his brother. So there's just a weird thing going on there. However, in his Senate race, He has decided to challenge Herschel Walker to a debate, and um, if Herschel agrees, Josh Clark and his family will donate a million dollars to Georgia charities that support life, liberty, and family. And I have many thoughts, and, and, you know, I appreciate the gesture but it's kind of like when someone says they're going to donate their salary. Like, are you just saying you're going to do that to get attention? Just do it, you know, um, if that's what you want to do. But he put out he put out this ad on Facebook and created like a landing page on his website and everything. Like, what would you do to sacrifice for your country? A million dollar debate challenge to Herschel. So apparently Josh Clark thinks that this is a sacrifice for his country. And he says, my fellow Americans, Georgia must flip the U.S. Senate to stop the radical Biden Warnock agenda that is destroying our country. We cannot afford to send an untested candidate to face Warnock this November. That's why I'm putting it all on the line and challenging Herschel Walker to face the public in two separate debates with me before May 24th. Um, if he accepts, you know. We'll donate this money. And then he says, yes, this will be a big sacrifice for our family, but we are willing to sell our home and farm because we believe no sacrifice is too great to preserve the blessings of liberty for the next generation. After all, what is our freedom worth? Okay. Um, Let me just say his wife doesn't work, which I don't really, I mean, I think she does like a, she doesn't work outside of the home. She has a a home-based business, but my understanding of their situation is that he is the primary breadwinner um, because they have seven children. So you're willing to sell your family home and farm to debate Herschel Walker? No, because you know Herschel's not going to take him up on it. Well, of course, but like, does he, I guess he doesn't realize how stupid this sounds. Look, Herschel's not going to debate anybody for the primary. Probably, no. if he wins the primary, won't debate Warnock. He's better if he doesn't. Right. Look, he's not <clears throat> a talented speaker. He's not overly quick-witted. Uh, he seems like a hell of a nice guy. Uh, you know, I've seen him on unscripted on several programs uh, one of which being Greg Gutfeld, where you know things are happening fast, and you know the conversation is happening fast, and they have to slow down, kind of, kind of for Herschel. Uh, it's not a knock against him. This is not his arena. His, his, you know, <laughs> quite literally, his arena has been the boxing ring, 
uh, bobsledding and playing football. You know, this debating political debate, especially at a high you know statewide race, is a lot higher stakes than you know giving prepared statements or having a, a narrator gift do a bunch of stuff and end it with "I'm Herschel Walker and I approve this message." It's like I said, it's not a knock. It doesn't mean he's dumb. It's he. This is not his arena. If he wanted to get into politics, you don't jump in at this level because the people that you're running against are very experienced. And like I said, I'm not saying Herschel's dumb. I'm saying he's not prepared. And six months is not enough time to get up to speed with what it takes to debate a polished politician. In the case of Raphael Warnock, somebody who's, who's been doing public speaking for a living as a pastor. You know, this is what he has done his entire professional life. You know, it'd be like me hopping in the ring with Tyson. Yeah, he's 20 years older than I am. He'll beat the snot out of me because this is what he does. And that's his arena. But yeah, he's he's offering up a million dollars because one, he knows he'll never have to do it. Two, I guarantee you, it would come. It would. He was not going to sell his home and farm and all that stuff. He's just not. I know, but it's just so stupid. I mean, Hersher should take him up on it just to see if he does it. All right, well, let's see the listing on Zillow. I'm going to need you to bring that million in cash. Plus, it would be a little more if you said, I will make a donation to the charity of your choice. And that's the way that's done. If you if you want to lay down the gauntlet for somebody, you tell me which charity. Or how about the loser of the debate pay the winner of the debate a million into their campaign fund out of his campaign fund? At least that'd be interesting. <laughs> the gambler in me. That'd be interesting. <laughs> All right. So Josh Clark is the jackass of the week. Political jackass of the week. The true jackass of the week is the is that sheriff in Liberty County. Mm-hmm. All right. On the federal level, why can't people just be cool? You know, Delta 8 and I think Delta 10 are strains of THC that are not regulated. I think I think it's nine. That is what you find in traditional marijuana. Uh, that's what's regulated. Now, understanding how laws work, we don't have a law that says this is legal. We only say what's illegal. So it's unregulated. But people had to make a big deal out of this as products of with Delta 8 and Delta 10 are starting, starting to come out. Well, the FDA is sniffing around it. And this is after as Jeff, uh, different DAs and sheriff's departments have been harassing smoke shops about selling Delta, Delta 8, Delta 10 THC. Uh, minute f- uh, amounts are found in apparently in hemp, and these are concentrated. But the FDA is making moves and sending warning letters. They they released a uh, well released a press release. There's a press release out where they're warning that these companies are making illegal claims. What do they do for your health? Uh, th- that they're concentrating it and. You know, obviously uh, saying it's packaged and labeled in ways that may appeal to children. Yeah. I, I know that ticks me off because, first of all, children aren't going into smoke shops and buying this stuff. <laughs> exactly. Number two, a bag of gummy bears costs you, I don't know, 50 cents, a dollar, something like that. Why in the world would you spend 20 bucks? On some gummies that taste like, you know, dirt, taste like weed, and and give it to kids. I mean, the same thing comes out every Halloween about giving away weed candy. No, mm. that's too expensive. A lollipop, you could buy a whole bag of dum-dums for $5.99, and you, but you're going to give away your weed lollipop? No. That's just stupid. And anytime anything, it's got to be for the children. But this goes back to just be cool, man. It's one of the reasons that... I've known about Delta 8 for, for quite a while, but it has not been a subject on the show because just be cool. Don't, don't, it, 
don't give the politicians any reason to go out and start regulating it. Just be cool. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't cite anything where anybody has been messed up on Delta 8 and caused any problem. Any, anybody who's had, had Delta 8 and been and, and gone to the hospital, uh, we, we don't, they cite none of this. They just say it can be dangerous. You know, so, uh, they quote in foods such as gummies, chocolate, caramels, chewing gum, and peanut brittle. That evil, evil peanut brittle. Whatever will we do? <sighs> I tell you. I tell you. I, government just sucks. We, we, we've hit county, state, and federal now, and it all sucks. Yeah, it... I mean, it makes everything worse. So on that cheery news... <laughs> yeah, toodles. Thank, thank you very much, Eric, for editing the the audio that we hand you and turning it into something that people can listen to. Thank you very much, my partner in this endeavor, Jessica Salaji. I'm Dave Roberts. We'll talk to you next week. Catch me howling at the moon